Welcome to Fringe with Benefits, episode 63. I am a woman on a mission. Stacy here, your favorite podcaster, back at it for another round of weird and wonderful news, interviews with fascinating people, and tips for a joyful life. Either we are at the beginning of an apocalypse, or this is the transition into the age of Aquarius. Either way, all change is difficult, and I have no idea which it is. All I know is that I've been called upon to come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Out of all the really, really weird news, I chose some stories for you for Stacy's socials. The first thing is this, this missing girl that was found alive in a room underneath the stairs. Have you heard about this? I guess this a missing 16-year-old girl... She was found alive in this room under the stairs, like I just said. Um, and it's of her non-custodial parents in upstate New York. So the, this couple, Kimberly Cooper, 33, and Kirk Schultes Jr. of 32, they're now facing felony charges for custodial interference and child endangerment. 2019, four-year-old Paisley Schultes was reported missing. She's been missing since 2019, right? Two years later, on Valentine's Day, the police received a tip about this girl's location. So they got a search warrant and they, you know, entered the residence. The owner, of course, denied knowing where the kid was, telling the officers, quote, had not seen the child since she was reported missing in 2019. About an hour into the search, the child was located in a secret room under a closed staircase leading to the basement. They shined a light through the crack of the stairs and they saw something out of place. They pulled out a couple step boards and they saw a pair of tiny feet. So the child and her abductor, Kimberly, her mom, was found hiding in where the police described as a dark and wet enclosure. The girl was upset and concerned when she was rescued. Um, police chief Joseph Sinagra said that begs the question, what was the child told about the police? And you know why the police would come and take her. That's what I'm concerned about. And I'm sure that when she saw several of her officers who were heavily armed, it was something traumatizing. Absolutely. When detectives drove the girl to the police headquarters, she saw McDonald's and remember going there once before. So they said, the chief said, so the detectives turned the car around and went through the drive through at McDonald's, picked her up a Happy Meal, and brought her back, and she was fine after that. According to the police, the girl's biological father, who had resurfaced shortly after her disappearance, denied knowledge that of his daughter's whereabouts and told police he had not seen the child since 2009, when he reports Cooper fled to Pennsylvania with his daughter. So, investigation still ongoing, arrests are still pending. What the hell is going on here, you know, when parents feel like they need to abduct their kids? What's going on in family court? I, I do believe we're going to have a guest in some of the coming episodes of somebody who is victim of family court. Like, we don't know what actually is going on. Um, if she went to great lengths to kidnap her own daughter, now I might be totally misinformed, who knows, but it's a weird story nonetheless. Next is a funny viral video story about this person put up a sign in their front yard to warn people who might potentially buy the house that's being built next door. And it's got a big sign that says, do not buy that house before talking to me. So a TikToker drove by the scene 
and filmed it and shared it with the caption, the neighborhood drama is getting spicy. One person wrote, I can't decide if they're trying to save the potential buyer or interview the potential buyer. Another said, the fact that they paid for a sign and welcomed random people to knock on the door is enough for me. Not all heroes wear capes. No doubt, right? However, someone else wonders what type of persons and neighbor neighbors really are. That neighbor is either totally amazing or totally insufferable, no middle ground. Well, the woman who filmed it, she actually went to find out, well, because shit, it went viral. Everybody wanted this story to be wrapped up. So she went and saw the neighbors to get the scoop. And she said, they're absolutely wonderful people and they're not a Karen. They're really just trying to help people not purchase a really crappy home. So apparently the builder of the new house also flipped the neighbor's house and the builder's allegedly shoddy work has cost the neighbors upwards of $100,000. Neighbors needed to get new plumbing, new electrical, new drywall, and more. They claim that the build site next door has been shut down multiple times due to code violations and that there had been three inches of standing water on the subfloor, which froze and then melted, ruining the subfloor. Kudos to these people. You know, when you buy a house, a flip house, and the work is not done right, it's going to cause you so much heartache. I mean, we've run into so many things with our house that you, you just like look at it and like, what the fuck was wrong with these people? Why would they do something so idiotic? It's, you know, it's definitely a thing. Uh, okay, this is an NPR story. I typically don't do these stories, but I want to give you some kind of insight into what they're trying to convince people of. This is a health story, and it's the state medical boards try to stamp out COVID misinformation, in some in GOP push. So last, last fall, Tennessee's Board of Medical Examiners unanimously adopted a statement that said doctors spreading mis COVID misinformation, such as suggesting that vaccines contain microchips could jeopardize their license to practice medicine. You know, coming from somebody who's heard a lot of really crazy stuff about this is I haven't heard once that, that the vaccine contains microchips. So I'm thinking that people are saying that is a little bit of a misinformation. Dr. Stephen Lloyd, who's the panel's vice president, he said, I'm very glad we're taking this step. If you're spreading this willful misinformation for me, it's going to be really hard to do anything other than put you on probation or take your license for a year. There has to be a message sent for this. It's not okay. They've been taking doctor's licenses that have any dissenting opinion on the treatment of this thing, which to me is fucking scary. That's absolute medical tyranny. Not all science is just set in stone. We, we are still learning, right? Well, the board statement was posted on a government website. It used language suggested by an umbrella group, the Federation of State Medical Boards. More than a dozen other state boards also posted this language, warning doctors that spreading inaccurate information about vaccines threatened to further erode public trust in the medical profession and puts all patients at risk. Before any Tennessee physicians could be reprimanded for spreading falsehoods, there was blowback. Republican politicians threatened to disband the medical board. So we see a little bit of divisiveness. Ooh, the Republicans are at it again, right? The Federation CEO, Dr. Humayun Chaudhry calls it an unwelcome trend. This nonprofit association based in Euless, Texas, says the statement is merely a specific restatement of an existing rule. The doctors who engage in behavior that put patients at risk could face disciplinary action. What about all those doctors that have been treating this inappropriately, killing people? Hmm? That's what I want to know. Are they going to have disciplinary action? 
The article goes on to say that doctors have leeway to decide which treatments to provide. The medical boards that oversee them have broad authority over licensing and discipline for misconduct. Doctors are often investigated for violating guidelines on prescribing high-powered drugs, but physicians are sometimes punished for other types of unprofessional conduct. In 2013, Tennessee's board fined U.S. Representative Scott Desjarles, Desjarles maybe, for having sexual relations with two different female patients more than a decade earlier. What, so that example is really definitely not legitimate. Like, it says, still stopping doctors from sharing unsound medical advice has proved challenging. Even defining misinformation has been difficult. <laughs> okay. And during the pandemic, resistance from some state legislators is complicating the effort. A small number of physicians peddle misinformation. Most of them are associated with the group America's Frontline Doctors. Its founder, Dr. Simone Gold, she's a saint, honestly, has claimed that patients are dying from mistreatments, not from the virus itself. There are hundreds, if thousands, of doctors that agree with Dr. Gold. Other examples is another hero without a cape is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who said in a legislative hearing in Ohio that the vaccine could magnetize patients. Well, there's graphene oxide in it, of course. Dr. Stella Emanuel, another hero, has promoted hydroxychloroquine. And then they throw in the tidbit that clinical trials showed it had no benefit. That's absolutely not true at all. The Texas Medical Board fined Emanuel $500 for not informing a patient of the risks associated using HCQ as an off-label treatment. And Republican Governor Bill Lee signed a sweeping package of bills that pushed back against pandemic-related rules. One bill addressed the medical board's recent policy statement, making it more difficult for the panel to investigate complaints about physicians' advice on COVID vaccines or treatments. Also, Representative, Republican Representative John Reagan sent the Tennessee Medical Board a letter demanding that the statement be deleted from the state's website. Reagan leads a legislative panel that raised the prospect of defunding the state's health department over its promotion of vaccines to teens. So it's these, these um, localized public health departments that are really, really out of line. I mean, we have one in our county that is just like off the wall trying to scare people, in, in my opinion, spreading misinformation. So Reagan, to continue among his demands, he listed 20 questions he wanted the medical board to answer in writing, including why the misinformation policy was proposed nearly two years into the pandemic, which scholars would determine what constitutes misinformation, and how the policy was not an infringement on the doctor-patient relationship. If you fail to act promptly, your organization will be required to appear before the Joint Government Operations Committee to explain your inaction, he wrote in the letter. In response to a request for comment, Reagan said that any executive agency, including the Board of Medical Examiners, that refuses to follow the law is subject to dissolution. Good for him. Deadline is sent December 7th. Next is a really crazy, crazy, which shows a video or a picture of an Iranian man carrying his wife's head after an honor killing. Okay, get this. Iranian man is shown in the shocking video, grinning as he's walking through the streets, clutching the severed head of his 17-year-old wife, whom he decapitated in an honor killing, so they call it. The footage shows Zajad Hadari strolling through the neighborhood of Avaz 
in a city of the southwestern province of Khuzestan, Khuzestan, with Mona Hadari's head in one hand and a blade in the other. Mona, who was his cousin, had been forced to marry him when she was 12. 12! And then um, she reportedly suffered domestic abuse, but was pressured to stay for the sake of her three-year-old son. Even though she expressed her wish to divorce, the teen finally escaped to Turkey, but returned after finding it tough to live alone in another country. A few days later, Sajad and his brother tied her hands and chopped off her head. Her body was dumped before her husband paraded through the streets with her head. A police official said the motive for the murder was family differences. Now let's step back to a report that came out earlier this week about Iran's leaders criticizing Canada for their human rights violations. A little bit of the pot calling the kettle black, but shit, if they say something, there's got to be something to it, right? Next is another really weird article that really makes me think, like, what are they trying to get across here? Um, it's a an article about a nurse crossfitter who had the, a stroke at the age 29. So get this, 29-year-old nurse living near Boston. She woke up numb in her right arm and leg. She was unable to walk or unlock her phone. She figured she slept on her limbs wrong and everything would be back to normal, but Oh, and she was young, ate healthy, and did CrossFit regularly, right? So she's healthy. Her roommate found her a few hours later unable to speak. Roommate calls 911, and then she learned that she had a stroke. So the last couple of years, she's been out of work and in rehab. She's a volunteer now for the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign, and she's speaking out to raise awareness that strokes can happen to anyone at any time. She discovered she had a blood clotting disorder. She underwent an MRI at the hospital. She said that she had every emotion running through her mind. She was scared, sad, anxious, angry, like, why me? It's hard to come to terms with that I had a stroke. So testing revealed that Kelly, that's her name, had factor V leaden, a blood disorder that increases the risk of blood clots. She was also on hormonal birth control, which increases the risk of blood clots and strokes. Stroke caused weakness in her right side, numbness in her right hand, as well as trouble speaking, writing, and understanding language. She improved steadily with therapy, but couldn't say more than a handful of phrases for six months. So, you know, after some therapy, about two and a half years later, she's taking blood thinners, goes to speech therapy, occupational therapy, music therapy. She has um, joined a book club to improve her reading skills. She, her work in psychotherapy, including eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing helps process traumatic memories. That's been very helpful. She says that the more she talked about it, the better she felt. Um, obviously, she's really upset. I mean, who wouldn't be? She's a really young woman. She has not been able to return to her job, and, but she is improving every day. According to the American Heart Association, one in five women have had a stroke in their lifetime. Here's a couple of risks, smoking, pregnancy, preeclampsia, birth control pills, migraines with aura can increase the risk. She stopped her birth control, but safely can go on another type that doesn't have estrogen. Kelly wants people, and especially women, to know the signs of a stroke. Numbness, confusion, blurred vision, and poor coordination. 
She says, quote, I think women only focus on other people, their kids, their parents, their husbands, and their friends. Sometimes we need to focus on ourselves more, and then we can focus on everyone else. And if I can have a stroke, so can all of you. Are you reading my mind? Is there, is there something wrong here? I mean, granted, she's got a rare condition, but it's almost as if they're trying to normalize not only blood clots, but strokes, heart attacks, myocarditis. Why have those things been increasing? If you listen into this show, you probably already know what I'm trying to say. Next is an article about Dave Chappelle. This is pretty interesting. This town that he is involved with, Yellow Springs, were voting on affordable housing. This development that they were going to put in there consisted of about 143 single-family homes starting at about 300k each. Yellow Springs is east of Dayton, has a population of only 3,500 pe- people. He lives in the area and frequents there, frequent in there as a child. And he threatened to remove all his business investments from the area if the affordable housing development was built. Hmm. So he said, he called everybody in the council meeting clowns. He said, you look like clowns. He said, I'm not bluffing. I will take it all off the table. I just want to say I'm adamantly opposed to it. I've invested millions of dollars in town, and if you push this thing through, what I'm investing in is no longer applicable. His publicist came forward and told the newspaper that he didn't kill affordable housing, and she added that the comedian and other residents were concerned with the approach to the development. She said, neither Dave nor his neighbors are against affordable housing. However, they are against the poorly vetted, cookie-cutter, sprawl-style development deal which has little regard for community, culture, and the infrastructure of the village. Without question, Dave cares about Yellow Springs. He's sewn into the fabric of that town. So I think that says a lot, you know, because obviously nobody's against affordable housing. But what, what's going on that he would literally take all of his investments out of there if this development company moved forward? The development company is Oberer Homes. That's who was going to build the development. Next is a New York Post article about um, a Black Lives Matter chapter raising $100,000 to bail out the Kentucky shooter. This 21-year-old activist has been charged with trying to murder a Kentucky mayoral candidate. He's been released from jail after a $100,000 bond was posted by a bail fund supported by BLM. His name's Quintez Brown. His cash bond was paid by the Louisville Community Bail Fund. This is an arm of BLM in Louisville. He's accused of firing multiple shots inside of the office of the mayoral candidate, Craig Greenberg, and he walked free from the Metro Department Corrections just hours later. Hours. He didn't even spend the night in jail. He tried to fucking kill somebody, and they bailed him out. The BLM Louisville organizer, Chanel Helm, she co-funded the bail fund. She told the outlet that Brown would be safer out of prison, and he claimed he was likely suffering from PTSD after two years of social unrest and the pandemic. Are you fucking kidding me? Give me a goddamn break. She said, in this case, we're dealing with someone that has mental health issues. No shit, right? But doesn't he have to face the music just like everybody else does? 
She goes on to say they're calling for this individual, this young man who needs support and help, to be punished to the full extent. It is a resounding message that people are down for the torture that has taken place in our jails and prisons. The Louisville Bail Fund said on its social media page that it exists not only to bail out folks, but provide post-release support to get them from jail, fed, and to a situation safely. So Metro Council... Metro Council President David James also slammed the bail fund's controversial decision to post this guy's bond, saying they're going to be responsible for what he may or may not do to anybody. Brown, a University of Louisville student who is running as an independent for Louisville, Metro Council has been fitted with an ankle monitor and is being placed on home incarceration ahead of his trial. Uh, the guy that he was, was shot at, he was not struck by the gunfire, but a bullet grazed his sweater. Lucky, lucky mother of her. Um, Bar- Brown is also being charged with four counts of wanton endangerment for firing shots near staffers. And a judge on Tuesday ordered Brown to have no contact with Greenberger's campaign sh- staff, and he cannot possess firearms. Well, duh. Duh. His lawyer says the man has serious mental issues and he would undergo a psyche valve. So that we're just waiting to hear more information on that. But just beyond me, why they would bail out somebody who literally tried to kill somebody with a, with a firearm. Nuts. Accountability segment. This is where I talk shit about myself. First... Sorry for the boring Stacy Socials topics. I, I literally bored myself talking about them. Maybe next week we'll have something spicy. I mean, there's all kinds of spicy stuff going on in the news, isn't there? And then next would be like a note to self. Do not record while I'm in a Zoom room because it makes my audio sound like crap. Learning curves, people. I will try not to do that again. The interviews have been going fantastic. I am learning so many new things and realizing how incredibly fascinating people are. Everyone has a story and their own hero's journey they're experiencing. It's been an incredible journey myself. I have not been very active on social media. I find that my time is better used in other ways, and it feels great, honestly. I feel more positive, I'm more productive, and healthier, too. So I really think, um, I don't know, if you want to do yourself a favor, do a social media detox for sure. Next, 75 Hard has been wonderful for my self-discipline and learning proper time management. So I suggest 75 Hard for if you want to give yourself a swift kick in the ass, definitely do it. We have Terry from Program Black this week. And a quick disclaimer about certain parts of our conversation. They didn't age well. With missile strikes happening before the release of our discussion, we must step back and reassess our stance on war with Russia. I seriously didn't think it would happen. Now let's remember the deals the president's son made in Ukraine. It's a hub for deep state operations. We better keep a close eye on this. If anyone remembers the anti-corruption law where we paid them off to fire their prosecutor, a prosecutor that was actually doing the job to get rid of their criminal system of corruption, it's all fishy. Either way, prayers for all of Eastern, Eastern Europe at this time. Um, Next, real quick, uh, I was told by Julia, shout out Julia, to download this Randonaut app, and I'm totally doing it. I actually got my first point, and it's somewhere really close to my house, which is actually on a piece of property owned by the Department of Transportation. I literally sent the Department of Transportation contact that I had an email like, hey, are we allowed to hike on your guys' property? 
it's a, a wetland and it's really it's pointing me at a coordinate that is at the this bend of the creek so i'm really curious as to what is at that bend if anything at all so stay tuned for the continuation of my rando knot adventure and real quick let's do business fringe with benefits has a fake book page so does inward survival and you can find my naked and afraid fan page there under stacy leo sorio Twitter is at Stacy Fringe. Instagram is at Golden underscore Valkyrie underscore. I'm on not the B, et cetera. I did. I'm in the waiting line for the Truth app. Um, any suggestions for good platforms to move away from the infamous trio is welcomed. Rumble and BitChute is Golden Valkyrie. Subscribe on YouTube to Golden Valkyrification. Visit Inward Survival's website, inwardsurvival.com, and sign the mailing list. Since it's a 501c3 charity, feel free to donate. I am on Clapper now, and I'm pretty funny and cute for being a middle-aged Gen Xer. Fringe with Benefits has a Patreon linked below. Go subscribe to the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel, also linked below. This is an invite-only group, and the only way you can get in is this link. Wherever you listen, please subscribe and give ratings or reviews. It helps a small show like me get noticed. And share the show. There are people out there that may like the content discussed here. Your weird uncle, your freaky cousin, or maybe a spouse that's a free thinker, text it to them. Go visit the Fringe with Benefits Anchor homepage linked below and click the support the show button. There are ways to support Fringe with Benefits. I don't do this for money, but money equals freedom in lots of ways. So if the show starts to bring in resources, I will be able to bring more content. If you have a story to tell me, send it to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. We have a continuation to Julia's email, and I hope she doesn't mind, but I'm going to share. Which, so I asked her about photographing orbs. Now, this chick has some amazing stories, but I'm going to read to you what she told me about this orb photography, which I've never heard from or heard about before. She said, thank you for providing me an opportunity to tell my story. Okay, the orbs. Well, back in 2006, I purchased my second digital camera. This one had a whopping 12 megapixels. I thought I was the shit, LOL, and instantly found a passion for taking outdoor pictures. I love macro shots, then macro shots with the sky and clouds. Well, as I moved away from macro, I started to see dust, or so I thought, on my lens shots. I was getting pissed. I would clean my lens over and over. I finally told a friend, she also had a Sony digital camera, and she blurted out, oh wow, orbs. I looked up orbs online and then I knew it wasn't dust. I took my camera to one of my favorite areas, which I now live near, somewhere in Tacoma on the waterfront. I took pictures and boom, orbs galore. And then I stood there and talked to the air in my camera and said something like, hey, I know what is happening and I see you guys. I promise to take pictures of you on purpose but will you please let me take actual pictures of the scenery without showing up in my pictures, please? I shit you not, Stacy. The orbs allowed it, and I had my pictures back. The first picture I took after asking was orb-free, and I was so freaking relieved that my $300 camera wasn't a piece of shit. Then I accepted the fact that I had tapped into something ODD, or I was chosen maybe to be a connection for them to us or vice versa. In 2010, I joined a meditation group. A lady channeled a message to me, and she said that the orbs wanted me to know that they were a colony. And I was like, what? In 2018-19, I met through Zoom Facebook. A man, I won't share his name, was on one of his Zoom shows. Um, I, I maybe, maybe I'll share this later. 
and he was talking about orbs. One of his orb friends, and holy shit, he had a ton of contacts, and he and his suddenly made sense. Oh, but wait, after the orb thing started, I'd say in 2008, I think just before I saw the Bigfoot, the 111 thing, 1111, it inundated me. Clock, receipts, TV, phone, people blurting it out, 1111, and then 222, 333. So I had to look that up online, and I found one webpage that discussed this entire phenomenon. That took me into the world that I now live in. Did that make sense? So yeah, hell yeah. Julia, that totally makes sense. And I have experienced the same thing with certain kind of omens. So we're going to have to talk about this further. So thank you so much again for for sharing with us. So everybody else, get your mail to me. I know y'all have stories. Tell me about it. Um, Next, real quick, I want to share with you um, an email that I haven't gotten a response from. It was, the subject line said, Havana Syndrome-related tech. This is what he said. Fringe, Dear Fringe with Benefits, on December 8, 2020, and with updates afterwards, I sent you a tip on a tech system with similar qualities as Savannah Syndrome-related tech. If you've been trying to contact me, I've been unable to view those messages since I lost my old passwords. Please respond to this email if you can help. And sincerely, his name. I did respond. Um, I said, this is the first email I've received from you. I'm glad you sent another email. Tell me more about the Havana Syndrome tech you're speaking of. Is it some sort of energy-directed weapon? How did you hear about this? Where are you from? Tell me all about it. I have not received anything. In fact, I'm going to send him another email right now. Everybody who's listening, if you've got a story or if there's something that you want to tell me, it could be anything from a ghost story to seeing a UFO to, a, you know, a strange encounter with a human being versus a cryptid, whatever. Fringe with benefits at protonmail.com. Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits. I have a real treat for you. A friend from London, UK. We've got Terry Miles from Program Black. And he's got this really neat organization. You can you can find him all over the place. But he, and specifically, he has a podcast in which we'd really like to talk about that because he talks about some of the same stuff I like to talk about on my podcast. So, Terry, inter- introduce yourself and tell us about Program Black and uh, your podcast. What's it about and why? Why did you start it? Well, hello, um, Stacey, me and you, have, we've spoke before, um, to anyone that hasn't heard, Stacey was my, my, a guest on my podcast, she went out as my episode number two, it is still my second most successful podcast, um, downloads wise, um, believe it or not, Stacey, uh, you were responsible for 12 individual listeners in the Faroe Islands. Really? Um, honestly, I don't know who's out there listening in the Faroe Islands. But I've got 12 individual addresses that have listened to mine and your podcast. They haven't listened to any of my other podcasts. Just that one with you, Faroe Islands, Vikings. Weird. How neat. Weird and wonderful. Yeah. So, so if they're listening to this one, hello, Faroe Islands. You're amazing. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I know you get a lot of shit in the press for whaling or whatever, but, you know, you're sticking to your traditions and I can respect that, um, you know. No matter what I think about whaling, um, you know, it's what you guys do. So crack on, do what you got to do. Um, and yeah, you mentioned my podcast. So the program Black Idea was born of, um, I'm a urban sort of survivalist, a little bit of a prepper, you could say. Um, 
and the 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 idea behind it is i i came to the to the conclusion that the world isn't going to end in some sort of fireball we, i don't think we're ever going to wander around like mad max in the desert eating dog food looking out for cannibals i think the machine now is too big to fail and what we're going to slowly have is this encroaching technocratic sort of sociopathic fascism as we can see we can see the googles the facebooks the apples all the big players now you know you're seeing the the big push for like drugs and you know the communists are gone. The terrorists are gone. They're really struggling with a terrorist thing. You know, a geezer gets arrested in his bedroom and it's all over the place. Terrorism. All right, <laughs> mate. It's not, it's not Timothy McVeigh, is it? Calm down. But um, they're, really put, they're really struggling with it. So they've really gone down the, the whole COVID narrative, which you've spoke about. I've spoke about. I think anyone listening to this knows where you stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be here if we were, you know, polar opposites on that. Um, so my podcast came from the idea of preparing yourself for this sort of, weird future we're going to face try and recognize the fact that it's a weird f- future understand the lies and un- understand that the propaganda not so much lies but propaganda mm-hmm. and since i came up with the idea i came up with the idea shortly before the pandemic and the pandemic really 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 pushed it to be honest because you, you could see the machine whatever the machine is i don't know who they are or what the machine is but they really doubled down in 2020. Something had to change. I believe Donald Trump upset their plans. Um, Great Britain going into the Brexit upset their plans because they wanted all these little sort of zones. And um, I, I, I think there was an upset of their plan. And they, they really doubled down, as I said, and they really pushed in. And now we find ourselves in this weird place where if you don't have an injection, you're not allowed to eat in a restaurant. And... Mm-hmm. You know, like if you want to go on holiday, you've got to have eight jabs or whatever it is now. And, right. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what sort of cocktail of jabs you're going to have. You've got to have them. And it, to me, it just it's all a load of bollocks. It's, it's 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 none of this is ringing true. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure COVID is proper horrible. If you've had it and it's proper horrible, I'm sure it is proper horrible. But so is the swine flu. So is the bird flu. So was the Hong Kong flu. So were all these other emerging bugs that have been around over the years. But they really doubled down on this one uh, and and now weirdly enough they're talking about hiv every two seconds mm-hmm. in the press now and i'm sitting there going all right so what's that got to do with anything it's not 1989 anymore right um so my idea for my podcast i'm just going to talk to people about recognizing this propaganda for what it is don't live in fear be the person that's walking down the street that can look at other people in the face and say you know, I'm better than you. And, mm-hmm. and and I don't mean that to sound horrible, but like, I'm better than you. That I know what I know. I know what's happening. Right. I want to educate people. I want to talk. And, and the idea, like the, the name, sorry, program black was like, sort of like a reprogramming. So black being nothingness. Yeah. And a reprogram. So forget what you know. What you know has been told to you on purpose. I mean, no matter what sort of subject you scratch, as I'm sure you're aware the the subjects are all twisted if you look at world war ii we all know about world war ii horrible germans america saved the day no one wants to know about how that began why why did it begin you know Mm -hmm. i mean it was was america really the good guy were the germans really the bad guys what was going on there but but no one wants to ask the question and i want people to ask the question just this the question any question ask it so like prep the idea 
So prepper, um, psychologically prepping people more so. Getting psychologically, them, right. technologically yeah. as well. For fuck's sake, people, use a VPN. If you understand Tor Browser, use Tor Browser. Buy a laptop, set it up in a library. Don't set it up in your house. You know, be, be slightly anonymous. Don't be the data they want you to be. Mm-hmm. You log onto your phone. Google's all over that. You're not getting a penny from Google and they are making millions off of your name your entire life. There are 12 year old kids now with a mobile phone, a smartphone. They're going to have that phone until they die. People are living longer and longer now from 12 years old to 100, say. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of data. They're yeah. making tons, packets off of you. They know everywhere you're going to be at any time and you ain't getting diddly squat. Yeah. Yeah. You got a real point. It's almost as if we are all enslaved, like they say, but it's not, you know, right out. It's just, um, it's kind of an underlying law is that we're, we're we're commodities that we are feeding this war machine, this tech machine now. Um, but yeah, you've got it. You've got it right on. And I love the concept because I think that's something we, we need to be preparing people and if they're not already seeing it, then, you know, somebody needs to be like waving it in front of them. Like, hey, you know, do you not see this? Are you not paying attention? Because it's legit. It's really happening. And you really called it. You really called it in this dystopian society we all are in. Like globally, it's not just one country having to deal with a dictatorship. It's the entire world. And so, I mean, like right on, I mean, has your, has your group grown? Has the podcast really been reaching a lot of people or people like yeah. waking up a little bit? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think they are. Um, I'm, I'm up to, I'm over 30 countries now. Um, I've got listeners in Japan, South Korea, even Myanmar, and they're in the throes of a bloody horrible civil war. And I've got wow. two individual addresses in Myanmar that have listened to my podcast. That's awesome. That's it's amazing. Awesome. The only, yeah. the only, conf- the only um, um, continent I haven't got yet is South America. Nobody in South America has listened. Maybe because they're all Catholic. I don't know. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll get some Brazilians. Um, Please, <laughs> Brazilians, Colombians, come at me. Yeah. Um, Argentinians, not so much. You're not having the Falkland <laughs> Islands back. Leave it at that, lads. But anyone else, you're more than welcome. Awesome. Awesome. So <laughs> since we're on the subject of psychological prepping, let's talk about like just plain old fashioned prepping. Why do you yeah. think it's important for the average person, the average citizen to consider this and to actively prepare? And um and then from there, we'll get into the urban versus the wilderness survivalism. But yeah, why do you think it's important for people to prepare themselves? Honestly, just for, um, for me, everyday events, you know, a car could slam into a power line down the road. You could be out of power for two days. How do you feed your kids? Mm-hmm. Um, little things you could. I mean, I know I know the United States, for instance, has just had a, a series of bloody awful storms on the East Coast. Like there, there were cars that might have broke down in the snow. You get out. If you've ever walked in snow, that's more than, say, more than a foot deep. After a mile, it really starts to ache the legs. You know, you're thinking, wow, the weight of this snow is really pulling on me. Now, if you've got to walk 10 miles, your car's completely fucked. Nobody's coming. What have you got in the boot of the car? Mm-hmm. have you got any water have you got any sachets have you got anything that can help you have you got a raincoat are you driving home in a in a, in a cotton polyester suit because you thought the air conditioning was going to be there forever now the air conditioning is not there you're outside what are you doing right yeah you know um 
prepping wise, you never know what could happen. It could be anything as simple as a bloody geostorm knocks out a few power grids. It's not going to be like, you know, in the movies where it just knocks out the whole planet because most companies have insulated for that now. But there are still the odd grids here and there that are off off the paperwork somewhere and they'll get knocked out and it could take a month for anybody to get to you. Have you got enough stuff in your house to give you a month? Because if your whole grid gets knocked out, your drinking water has gone as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just what you've got in your house. That drinking water is electronically pumped to you. Right. You know, those pumps go down. You turn on the tap. Nothing happens. You've got a three-year-old child. What water are you giving them? Have you got anything in your house? Have you got life straws? Do you know how to filter water if necessary? Can you boil the water? Do you know why, what, what the necessity is for boiling water? Mm-hmm. You, you know, in the West, we're sort of everyone just sort of, I mean, I've got young children. They think that everything just arrives to them like it's magic. And, and I'm trying to explain to them that, that this isn't the way. So they're getting a little bit more involved now. We were in a nature reserve today, actually. It was really nice. But um, they're getting a little bit more. Oh, so this is where that comes from. Awesome. You know, there's a lot of kids, especially in cities, in the urban environment, you know, that have no idea that that meat in the packet comes from maybe 500 miles away. Right. And three days ago, that meat was walking around. Mm-hmm. You know, they have no idea. And, and they don't know, you know, for the want of, of, of a sort of better scenario, w- without that, they wouldn't know what to eat. Yeah. You know, there's only there's only so far you can go on a Snickers bar before you start to have massive insulin problems. You're going to start to get headaches. Mm-hmm. You need to eat proper food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got into prepping initially um, following the London riots. I thought, well, if this I don't know how much your listeners know about the London riots, but in 2011, my country descended into fucking chaos and it was only for a few days. But the police lost control of the streets and there was talk about putting the army on the streets. Now, I know in the West, we're like, oh, yeah, put the army on the streets. But that never helps anything. Once you put armed soldiers walking around, trigger happy lads that are a bit scared, mm. nothing gets better. Um, thankfully, the police managed to, to sort of restore order. But it, it looked like it could have gone a bit funny. It could have gone either way. It could have continued. And, and, then, and then we might have been in a bad spot. So I thought to myself after that, what what if I had to leave my house? Mm, yeah. What if? I mean, you've had some pretty bad riots in America over the last couple of years. What if the police pulled back to a sort of safe zone, to a, like a DMZ line, and just didn't come back in for a few days? Now, you're in your house. You don't agree with the left. You don't agree with the right. You're just looking at your children. And you've got to leave your house. Have you got the stuff in your house to go with? Do you own a tent? Like and that's just the basic i mean i say a tent because you know this is the immediate shelter you think of but you know a lot of people haven't got anything Mm-mm. it's chilling it really is to think about like that, that people don't think about that kind of stuff and that it could happen it, just like you said just those little events that could mean life or death for somebody if they don't have the right provisions in their vehicle even to you know sustain the weather or their need for water and food yeah you're you're right on man you were right on. I guess that kind of moves we've, us. We've all broken down, Stacey. We've all broken down at some point. The car, the, the, the tire's gone, or we've gone to start the car. The battery's flat. The alternator's gone. The, the cylinder head's gone while driving, and you see the smoke, and you laugh for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. So we know, we know, we know how shit that is. But imagine you're in a horrible blizzard. There's 500 other cars that are broken down on the same road. Nobody is coming for you because you know to tow a vehicle, take it back to the house. These things take time. 
there's only a certain amount of tow vehicles in any one area at any time. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not going to, they're not going to rush in from all around because they've got their own spots to take care of. And you might be 25 kilometers away from your home when that happens and you think, I'd oh, fuck it. I'll walk. But if you've got the provisions to walk in a nasty snowstorm, you know what I mean? Do you know where you're going? If you leave the road and you think, I'll just go over that hill and across that field, you can get disorientated really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like you could find yourself walking for a few hours and then think, oh, fuck, where am I? Where am I? Yeah. Phone phone doesn't work. You know, your battery's dead because you because you didn't charge it at work because you thought it's all right. I'll be home in half an hour. Yep. You know, Um, I'm sure the emergency services find people all year round dead in the in the in the in the cold. Or, you know, you know, for, for your listener base is predominantly american you guys have tornadoes you have earthquakes yeah i mean you've even got a couple of nasty volcanoes they haven't gone off in a while but like if yellowstone goes up it'll be a bit of a bad day yeah we'd Um, we'd be really fucked you've you've got some you've got some challenging situations there hurricane Mm -hmm. katrina prime Mm -hmm. example shit went bad everybody saw it on the news nobody knew what to do they yeah. panicked. They started shooting at the National Guard that were trying to come in and help because they were panicked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this kind of moves us right into, you know, the urban versus the wilderness survivalism. You know, what takes precedence and um, how are they related and and like who needs to have what kind of knowledge base? I think that's really important is that, of course, you need to know what to do once you get out into the bush and like how you're going to make it. But you also need to know what to do if you're in a highly populated area and like how to get out safely, because that's an issue, especially when resources are, are short and people are panicked and people are scared. Um, They're just trying to do what's right for them. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to go into their neighbor's house. They're going to try to take from other people and if you got to leave your house, like you were saying, you have to know how to get out, um, how to survive the city. So you can get out into an area where you can actually mm-hmm. start to recover, recuperate. So um, do you run into that? Like, cause I know you, you do a lot of urban survivalism and uh, do you ever run Ooh. into people that are uh, curious or need to know more about the wilderness survivalism? Like how to, how do you incorporate both into when you're teaching people about this stuff well um yeah that's 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 the good one um so from an urban point of view um i think when it comes to urban survival your number one buddy your best friend is situational awareness do you know that street you're about to walk down do you know anybody in there did you have a fight with a geezer dave there three years ago that might be harboring a bit of a grudge um, if you look at places like uh, Libya, uh, Somalia, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria more recently, um, Yugoslavia a bit further back, you tend to find in the cities, state actors become gangs very quickly. So your local police force that you know and love right now, when their paycheck stops coming, those armoured vehicles and rifles become their way of survival their way of eating, their way of feeding their kids. Mm-hmm. So state actors, state actors and, and large local gangs that already exist. It might just be sports guys that hang out together at the weekend. There might be a couple of hundred of them. You don't know. Um, but these gangs tend to 
form very quickly in urban areas. In urban areas, you see a lot of roadblocks going up. You see a lot of side streets get barricaded in a way that most modern vehicles are made of like recycled plastic. Yeah. They can't they can't punch through anything that's got any weight. It's not mm-hmm. in the movies. Most cars, they hit one of those metal gates. They don't punch through it. It does horrible damage to the front of it. And now you've got to walk. Um, so you get funneled into main thoroughfares. And in those main thoroughfares, you have roadblocks. You've got people stopping every vehicle. Who are you? Where are you going? And what have you got? Yeah, great point. Um, it happens a lot. So urban survival for me is all about situational awareness. And I'd say following that situational awareness is fitness. A lot of us, especially in the prepping community, aren't very fit. And I don't know why that is. And it's something that I'm banging on about. Um, I don't know if you noticed recently, but part of my program Black Now, um, I have um, two separate tiers on my Patreon, which are for something that I've called the Barracks which is sort of like a military fitness style plan that I'm putting some people through at the moment. Um, Sort of like a boot camp. I saw that. I saw that you were incorporating like physical conditioning and getting people fit and thinking about their physical fitness because you're you're right on, man. Because right after situational awareness, are you are you going to be able to run that distance or even walk that distance? Or if you do get into a squabble with somebody, are you going to be able to defend yourself properly? So I think that's badass. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the films. I mean, I'm sure, you know, most of your listeners have had a fight in their lives and you know, when you, when you, once you've got into a fight after two or three minutes, you're thinking bloody hell, you know, cause you don't do it a lot. You're not conditioned. You're not an MMA fighter. You're not a professional boxer. You get into a fight for two or three minutes. Once you've taken a couple of lumps and you've given someone a couple back, you're kind of thinking this needs to end now. Yeah. <laughs> now, imagine you haven't eaten for two days. You're soaking wet. You're cold. Someone's just jumped on you. Like, if you're not already sort of not, you wouldn't be prepared for that. But if you're not already kind of fit and healthy as it is, you're going to find that to be quite a challenge, that fight, especially if there's more than one of them. And you might need to just hit one of them really quick blindside the other one and get out of there you know i'm not expecting any bruce wayne heroics but mm-hmm. i do want the people in that are taking on the plan to understand that I, I do want them to make it um and whether it be like i said i don't believe anything serious is going to go wrong i don't think the lights are ever going to go out or anything like that i don't think we need to be prepared for that but we need to be prepared for random sporadic acts of violence because as like we saw in america I think they let certain riots happen to push a narrative. And if you're caught in the middle of that situation, you know, your life can be snuffed out quite quickly. So be fast enough to get out of there. Be situationally aware enough to know where to go, where not to go. If you don't know an area, if an area looks overly quiet and deserted, bad sign. Don't Mm. go there. Someone's watching you from somewhere. Right. You go wandering down with your knapsack on you're probably not going to make it, you know, to the end of the street without being stopped by somebody. Um, I know in America, for instance, there's a lot of firearms. You know, you walk down a nice empty street thinking, all right, the coast is clear, I'm going down. You know, anyone with any sort of bobber job hunting rifle can pick you off from, I don't know, 600 yards away. No bother. Mm -hmm. The The hospitals are closed. So, you know, you take one in the shoulder, in the films, apparently you can sit back up from that and you're all right and you can go back to work. In real life, the exit wound's massive. It needs closing almost straight away. That's not going to happen. You're going to die. Right. Um, and 
know, I think uh, Terry um, really is someone you need to be listening to because he's his career is is uh, you spent several years as a street medic, correct? Mm-hmm. And for um, violence yeah. on London streets. And so he knows what he's yes. talking about. He's treated these kind of injuries. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was that like? And what kind of stuff did you run into? And was it scary? I mean, we want to know about that. Yeah, uh, I, was a, I was a medic on the streets of London on a bicycle. Um, so we had a bike. It weighed about 75 kilos. The bike itself had uh, like a large pannier on the back with like loads of kit in it and some panniers on the front, more kit. So I used to do 12 hour shifts, four on, four off, um, continually cycling around, listening for uh, incidents. We were, I was based between two of London's busiest train stations. So St Pancras International, where you can catch a train from London all the way to France. Wow. Um, and King's Cross, where you can catch a train from there all the way to Scotland. So, like, massively busy, two huge terminals. Um, so, as you can imagine, with that, you've got a lot of people about 24 hours a day. You're dealing with homeless people, for instance, that may have got into a fight or an argument. You've, you've got uh, teenage gangs stabbing each other, fighting each other everywhere you look. You've got uh, road traffic accidents. We also had a, a, a large canal. And for our American listeners, just in case you're not sure what a canal is, before trains and aeroplanes in this country, before even America, in this country, we used to take goods around on little barges up and down canals pulled by a horse. That's how Europeans used to roll. Um, So, yeah, so we've got a canal. I've pulled a body out of that canal. That was pretty grim. I've also chased a couple of people into it because they're like, you know, trying to run away and they think oh jump in the canal and swim to the other side they don't realize that it's cold and it's dangerous canals are full of discarded things whether it be like a a shopping cart or a bicycle something you could catch your leg you're going to drown right you know they're not deep they're not super deep and they are super dirty they're full of rats anywhere you've got water and rats you've got vials disease which is Mm -hmm. always grim comes from rat urine there's no cure i don't think you just get ill and ill and ill for the rest of your life until you snuff it um but yeah so so that job was that job was quite challenging so you i was doing four days on and then four days off and then four nights on wow and these yeah so these were seven till sevens so as you can imagine the weekends were busy there was a lot going on um but yeah, everything really. Stabbings. Didn't do any shootings, which right. I'm, I'm glad. Um, a couple of car crashes. A right. few random CP, a few random CPRs, like people just walking about and then they're just collapsing of a heart attack. Right. And, you, you know, you've got to jump on them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we, the bicycles themselves were kitted out for all manner of injuries. So, you, you know, awesome. we've got none of, we've, we had like occlusive and non-occlusive chest shields for any sort of sucking chest injuries. We've got like Celox, which is this like um, hemostatic agent. So you can put that on a heavy bleed and you sort of stop bleeding instantly, sort of scabs it up, um, which is really good. It's made from a protein from shellfish, I believe. Cool. Um, yeah. You know, when you like pull a crab's leg off, it doesn't bleed. Yeah. It's because it's got this protein that sort of closes the wound straight away. Wow. So that's isolate- awesome. Yeah, so they isolated that, turned it into a powder. You get stabbed. You pour this powder on. You stop bleeding. I mean, you're still bleeding internally, but you're not losing the blood out of your body. So you're buying that surgeon time. 
Yeah. Because we don't need a blood transfusion now, you know, because you've still got it all inside you. What's that stuff called again? The material that the protein? Stellox. Stellox? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it's a, I think it's an Israeli company that came up with it um, to close gunshot wounds, but it's really good stuff. Right um, anyone that's anyone that's prepping in an urban or rural environment um if you're putting a first aid kit together if you're putting some sort of trauma pack together definitely add cellox to it you can get it in a powder which you can just pour on a wound or you can get it infused in a gauze so if you need to like f- pack a gunshot wound or a knife wound if you're going to pack it with the gauze the gauze will literally stick to the inside of your body instantly you'll stop bleeding Mm-hmm. So we can get you to a trauma unit. The, the surgeon can take all that gauze out and you haven't lost any blood. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely Far something easier to, to treat. Yeah. So definitely sure. get some of that. Everybody get some of that in your kits. And uh, yeah, Celox also make another product called a Fox seal, which is something you can put on like a, a chest wound, a, a lung wound. You know, when you, you if you um, puncture your lung, you get bubbles because mm-hmm. the air is trying to get out. So you can put this seal on. It lets air out, but not back in. So your lung can reinflate itself. Wow. Yeah, That's this is awesome. good kit. This is great stuff to have in your in your IFAX. Fox seal, everybody. Fox seal and show get on it. Yeah, get on and it. In, and in no way, shape or form am I sponsored by that company. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting any money for mentioning them. I just think it's really good stuff to have. Yeah, that's definitely something people need to think about. Having a, a good tourniquet too, or just having a good first aid kit is imperative. Absolutely essential. Um, next, uh, so let's, uh, I know you like conspiracy theories like I do. And since you mentioned, I really um, do. <laughs> you mentioned our weather, um, all the weird weather actually we've had globally, not just in this country, but uh, do you think there's anything to do with that and potentially, you know, the chemtrail spraying the ionization chemicals into our into our atmosphere for, and using that harp machine that we have up in Alaska? You think that that might be a contributing factor to all the really weird weather, like phenomenally abnormal weather that we've been having? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to say yes. Uh, I think that. You've had in America, you have had way more of these once in a hundred year storms than yeah. you should have had in the last decade. I know. Since since Katrina, every year you guys have taken a beat in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Tornadoes seem to be bigger. There's always a current threat of earthquake. Yellowstone seems to be bubbling around everywhere, but nowhere else on the planet is the weather this bad. <laughs> Like, you know, in in Asia, they're still getting the odd typhoon in Asia. Not Uh that bad. Europe right now in my country, we've got we've got two storms hitting us right now. And here I am. As you see, there's a window. Yeah. I can't hear anything, but these are supposed to be two big storms hitting us right now. Uh, We've got a bit of a bit of snow up north and some. And believe it or not, some waves at the seaside. Um, And I believe that you're supposed to have waves at the beach um so yeah but i don't when it when it comes to the states you i don't know you guys are battered by sort of really really abnormal weather Mm -hmm. and we all know harps a thing right it exists it's out there 
it's, it's not a conspiracy anymore. You can look it up online. You can have a butchers. Even the Russians are like, yeah, it exists. Everyone's saying it exists. Um, they, I know they like to deny that it's for weather manipulation, but to, to, to be honest, it's an ionizing machine, so it can only be used for weather manipulation. Exactly. What are they? What are um, they doing? You know. But why are they only using it on their own people? <laughs> this, is, this is the baffler. I mean, if you're really pissed off of China that China's taking liberties and they're making all this stuff, wouldn't you just give them bad weather for a few months and shut them down a little bit? Well, you'd think, but yeah, I think our, our governments are just against us. You know, they're against I was gonna us. Say, I, I was going to say, I was waiting for your, your response on that. Personally, I think the people that run the show, um, we probably don't need to say their names, everyone knows their names mm-hmm. those people move from place to place they destroyed germany they fucked off to london they mm-hmm. destroyed london they fucked off to new york now they're destroying america and you can see those same names are starting to buy up a lot of property and move in the direction of china mm-hmm. i think china's going to be their next darling now when china's mm-hmm. fucked they'll go somewhere else if you look at places like egypt i think indonesia right now and saudi arabia they're building brand new cities out of out of nowhere egypt's actually building a new capital really in a a, yeah and in a true globalist agenda name right it's not called like cairo 2 or greater cairo or anything like that it's called new administrative capital weird that's an egyptian city not an islamic name not an egyptian name it's called new administrative capital all right, I'm I'm taking notes because They're I have not literally <laughs> building a city out of nothing. A brand nobody lives there. It's an entire city that's being created right now. It's got roads, it's got trains, it's got an airport, it's got buildings. Nobody lives there. That's just mind blowing. So so when they're done with the States and when they're done with China, then they're going to go somewhere else. They're like locusts. They go from place to place, leaving nothing but carnage behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, these same names. They put they put a geezer in charge of Germany. He went a bit too far. You know, they bet they needed to destroy the old world because the old world was full of, you know, for the want of a better terminology, the old world was full of class. It was full of history. It was full of kings and queens and, you know, real, real history. But because in the old world, we still look at our queen and we're like, oh, she's great. You know what I mean? We love all of that. It's very hard to control us in that way because we've got history, we've got anchors, we've got where we came from. So what do you do? You take the USA, a load of people from Europe that don't quite know where they came from. You're like, okay, I'm European, but I don't quite know where in Europe I'm from. A lot of Europeans rolled off a boat. No one could understand the word they were saying and they were given a a place of origin. Mm -hmm. So that place of origin is still what exists in the paperwork today because it hasn't been changed. You know, if you were Hungarian or or a Slovakian and you, you arrived in America, if an American couldn't pronounce your name, they wrote down whatever they thought it sounded like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were just pro- they were processing immigrants. And I, I can't blame those people. Um, but it's very easy to control the people that haven't got that much of an identity. Right. So, the people that destroyed Europe backed both sides. Those sides were the United States of America and the USSR. Because the USSR had just completely erased its history. The Tsarist history of Russia was taken out completely. Anyone that knew anything about it was killed. All the intellectuals were gone. So you've just got a load of idiots controlling a new country. Mm-hmm. You know, all their history, all their... And, and China's done the same. Mao did the same in China. 
But at that time, China wasn't that prevalent, you know. Um, So Germany did what it did, totally bankrupted Europe. The Americans didn't want to help Europe at all until they saw that our coffers were completely empty and we were indebted to them. Um, And, you know, fair play to the States. They did what they had to do. I'm not being horrible. Um, But the Americans entering the Second World War, for instance, completely destroyed Great Britain because Mm -hmm. they, they they wouldn't help Great Britain until we could prove to America we had nothing left to give. Our chancellor, our chancellor of the exchequer carries like a little red suitcase and that contains all the finances of the country. That suitcase doesn't really leave our country, but the Americans demanded to see that suitcase. So all the gold that's in like Fort Knox, for instance, came from London Mm. and it's still there to this day because we can't have it back because we bought help. Mm, Yeah. So the old world was destroyed, which is where we get this new world order. The new world order was Russia and the USSR. Uh, sorry, the USSR and, and, and the United States of America. That was pretty much from sort of 1945 till, you know, the USSR ran out of money and fell to pieces because their business model didn't quite work. The American business model really works. It really works because it makes money out of nothing. Mm-hmm. The USSR couldn't do that. America can. America's got this amazing way of instilling so much fear in its people that its people will go out every week and continually consume and buy and consume happiness isn't it's it's not achievable by consumption but when you watch your adverts up into the states you turn on the telly you know if you don't scrub your teeth with Colgate this girl's not going to smile at you if you don't wear this deodorant this this girl ain't going to have sex with you if you ain't got this car no one cares about you so you're constantly striving for the new thing and it it ticks over and it kept your economy going and because there's so many of you I think 370 million or something now Mm -hmm. 370 million of you are constantly spending all the money you have you get paid, you spend it, you get paid, you spend it, you get credit, you, you pay for the credit. This uh, Your machine got so big that it, it sort of ate up the world. Right. Yeah. And it, like, uh, so our, our current situation, it's, it's very apparent that the Marxist agenda is, is here and it's destroying any semblance of mm-hmm. traditionalism, family, religion, um, anything that carries any kind of integrity or, honor or um ethics any of that of course because you guys have created your own identity and your own your own thing you guys created something which was uniquely american you know it gets on my tits a little bit when i see americans and they're like oh man like you know i'm a european and they're talking about europe and i'm like do you know when you visit europe you stick out like a sore thumb because you're an american (laughs) and you should be so but you should be so proud of that in that small amount of time since you know Plymouth Rock to now your country has achieved some fucking amazing I mean whether you believe it or not right people walked on the moon mm-hmm. I, I believe that they walked on the moon I do I know a lot of people believe it was fake but I think you can watch it on radar you can see it through telescopes the Chinese or the Russians would have called America out why haven't they done it again because there's nothing fucking up there and it's not really worth the amount of money it costs. They just did it to prove a point. Right. Um, That's, that's my, that's my theory on it anyway, but like you should be so proud to be an American and America's done such great things in a small amount of time that the people that are controlling and and, and pulling the strings that don't like that, they want to destroy it. This Mm -hmm. is where I was going before, you know, they destroyed the Soviet union. The Russians were sitting around going, Oh my God, what's going wrong? 
you know, Russia's a shell of itself now. Vladimir Putin's still trying to flex, but it's just just an old nutter, really. Um, but and now and now they're trying to destroy North North America because you created something which was world winning. It was unbeatable. You know, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, your country literally rumbled into such a gear the planet has never seen anything like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It rumbled into such a gear that it created an empire in about two minutes. Mm -hmm. It takes most people hundreds of years to create an empire. It took America about two minutes. <laughs> but it went out in every, it flew out in every direction. Like you kicked a termite mound. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. And, yeah. and, and they don't like that. And they, and they need to destroy it. And they are destroying it. They're setting man upon woman, race upon race. Black Americans and white Americans don't even see themselves as the same people right now. Mm -hmm. And they are. They're Americans. It doesn't matter if you came from fucking London or Lagos. It right. doesn't matter. You are an American. You Man, know? that's and, really uh, beautiful because there's a lot of people that don't appreciate that anymore. They're trying to get rid of that. And this is coming from England. Guys, sort <laughs> your fucking selves out. Stop arguing. The people that are causing the trouble are neither of you. Go to those people and show those people what trouble really is. Yeah. Those rednecks with the rifles and the black fellas with the Cadillac Escalades. Go together to those people's houses and say, we're on to you, man. Yes. Yeah, I love put that. It on, put it on them. Put it fucking on them. Hell yeah. Before you end up like the USSR, before it all crumbles, before it all falls to pieces, you start infighting, it gets bad, and there's no such place as the United States as America anymore. You're going to end up in two or three different sort of enclaves. It's going to be horrible. You're all balkanizing as it is. You look like a giant Yugoslavia, a big pimple ready to burst. Mm hmm and they keep hitting you with a fucking weather machine, which is making everything worse. Because <laughs> all the good, it's always the, the more prosperous, peaceful places. Places like, I don't know, Missouri. They get proper like whacked by the weather. Mm -hmm. But where like there's mass amounts of gang violence, no weather. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What's up with, how come Chicago hasn't been hit with freaking Category 5? hurricane or <laughs> and chicago the windy city it's right on a lake if anything you'd expect them to have really bad weather yeah no because they got to keep no. that going they got to keep that but going no downtown texas where people are really pulling together and, and you've got hispanics you've got european americans you've got black americans everybody's sort of working together doing their thing let's hit them with a weird snowstorm out of nowhere because mm -hmm. yeah it always snows in fucking texas doesn't it you know what i mean <laughs> what's that all about I know, right? Um, so real quick, before we end on the conspiracy theory note, I want to get your take on David Icke, because I'm like a huge fan of his, and he comes from your island, and I want to know, he does. Kind of, <laughs> I want to know what people think about him today. I know that his following's definitely grown, and people seem to respect him a little more based on a lot of his stuff that he said back in the early 90s has come to pass so what's the what's the general consensus on him nowadays honestly i think a lot of people on my island are still very much brainwashed by the system mm -hmm. um i say brainwashed as a loose sort of terminology you know they, they haven't been north korea per se but you know they believe what they see on tv and just like your average American, your average Brit is pretty much governed by the black rectangle in his room. Yeah. And that is one of that. And that that's paraphrasing David Icke there. He said the most powerful weapon on the planet is a little 
black rectangle in your room yeah um, so yeah I, I, sorry yeah. david for butch butchering your stuff there <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to this dave big fan um uh, i'd love to get him on the show 10 minutes dave that's all i need that'd be um, awesome yeah no, a lot of people talk to him and, and the minute you hear david Ake, people say right lizard people that's yeah. the first thing they go to they discredit him straight away on the fact of lizard people but if you look at like you know um we know for a fact now due thanks to thanks to science that we, there are more than one dimension okay we're living within me and you right now exist on a plane and there is another plane and another plane and they sort of go on and on and on and on and on we know mm-hmm. that now what's to say one of those planes hasn't got a species which may be reptilian which can travel between the planes yeah absolutely what's to say that that can't happen in the same way a chameleon can sort of change the way it looks right in front of you mm-hmm like what's to say that there isn't a reptilian that evolved somewhere that can walk in the planes in between right. them totally yeah um, human human eyes me and you you know looking around the room loads of nice stuff but we can only see about five percent of the universe right there's a lot of light and a lot of matter human eyes can't pick up there could be a lizard standing right there now if he's made from something that i can't see i cannot see him i cannot perceive him in any way shape or form most of what my body perceives is how my brain computes it and turns it into data. I, that data feeds back to me. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if there's a way around that, which I'm sure there is, I'm yeah. sure DARPA's working on something now. <laughs> Big shout DARPA. Um, you guys are crazy. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a way to manipulate the way the human brain perceives things. Right. Yeah. And if Great that's point. the case, well then, and if that is the case or if that is even is remotely possible if there's a half a percent chance that that's possible on one of the planes of existence it's already happened and therefore remember that show sliders back in the day where they used to like slide from thing to thing that could be happening now with lizard people you don't Mm -hmm. know they could be quantum leaping about totally and you know nowadays physicists are saying that there is no such thing that that would be impossible according to what we've learned no no and there's even bods out there that believe that this is all a simulation none of this is real and these are serious people they're Mm -hmm. not idiots they're not like nutters on land that believe in like flat earth big shout out to the flat earth people (laughs) you guys love you um but like these, these are serious people and and they do believe that this is this is some sort of matrix yeah maybe not as it is in the film we're not plugged into a computer but 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 somehow this is a manipulated consciousness david Icke believes for instance in the i think it's the archons the archons that have put our our whole planet to sleep and transported our consciousness to a fake planet where we are just here for fucking misery because they feed on our misery right third density we are stuck in the third density matrix they say Yeah. yeah yeah And there's so much out there. I mean, what there's a planet, Nibiru, that sort of where our solar system goes around in a circle, Nibiru is like an oblong. So it goes right out and it comes back in every now and then. So what the fuck's up with that? Right. Yeah. Who's on, Nib- who's on Nibiru? <laughs> who's on Nibiru? Like, come on. I, I know, know, man. I know. Never mind about Mars. <laughs> Let's get something on Nibiru. I want some pictures of that. <laughs> Well, I guess that kind of just moves us right into the next topic was I, I wanted to get your take on like the whole paranormal, um, you know, supernatural thing. I guess you touched on that a little bit. Have you experienced anything that would be considered otherworldly or anything that's got you wondering what the fuck happened or? 
two things in my life spring to mind straight away. When I was a kid, I used to have, I don't know. I'd, nowadays, everyone seems to have night terrors and nightmares and all of that kind of thing. When I was a kid, none of that existed. Um, I'm quite old now. I'm 41. So when I was a kid, if you, if you, something runs wrong with you, you were just slow. There was no such thing as autism or anything like that. You know, you were just a slow kid. Um, <laughs> but like, I used to wake up. Um, I, had, I had a spell. It probably lasted about a year. I used to wake up at random times in the night. It was always dark and everybody else in the house was asleep. I always used to have my bedroom door open as a kid. I don't like closed doors. Um, and I used to hear, we used to have these things. I don't know if you had them in the States. It was like a nice, nice, like a cutlery holder, but it didn't go in a drawer. It was like on the side. So you put your cutlery on hooks and it mm-hmm. sort of just sat there. They were, they were a big thing here in the 80s. So we used to have that. And at night, they made, a, they made a very distinctive rattle because of the type of plastic and the stainless steel that, that was used. They made a, whenever you put a fork or a knife up, it would rattle. Yeah. Now, everyone in the house was asleep, and I went through a period of hearing this rattle. So I would lay there in my bed, wide awake at night, and this knife and fork thing was rattling in the kitchen. Now, I know no one in the house was awake. Now, I went through a period of time of hearing this. Now, my where I grew up was a place in, in Putney in London called the Ashburton estate. The Ashburton estate was built on top of a graveyard. Neat. Okay. So after, yeah. After world war two, the Earl Spencer owned all that land. He ran out of money. He sold that land to a local authority. They built a housing estate on it. This is some poltergeist shit right here. Yeah. And yeah. And so there was some, there was some happenings on that estate. Everybody I knew growing up had seen a ghost or heard some stuff. And I don't know. It was after the war. Did we have a lot of money? No. Did we just leave the bodies there and build over it? More than likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I heard these uh, knives and forks rattling for a while. And then, and then, I don't know, one day it just stopped. I used to wake up and it was always the middle of the night. I don't know, two or three in the morning. And it, for some, it was always a school day as well. So primary school, I was always knackered going to school. Mm-hmm. And they didn't tell me mum or anything because I thought, oh, she's just going to think I'm crazy. You know what I mean? But I used to lay there, like, pull, I, was like I was like nine years old. I pulled the covers over my, <laughs> over my head. And just, like, I'd be hearing knives and forks rattling in the kitchen. And like, yeah, it was, it was grim. Bizarre. No one else heard it because everyone had their doors closed. I was the only one with the door open. Can't stand doors being closed to this yeah. day. I hate it. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was the first one. Second one, um, I was 18 years old. I was working nights in a frozen food warehouse. And I'd gone at about three o'clock in the morning with my friend Gary. Um, don't know what ever happened to Gary, actually. Strange, he just disappeared one day. But yeah, so I was, I was at work with Gary about three o'clock in the morning. We went to McDonald's to get just like a burger and chips and that because there's nowhere else to eat at that time of night. And uh, we had motorbikes at the time, like mopeds. And we went, we got the food, we came back and we sat next to the Thames. Now, I swear, not, not a word of a lie. We were sitting there eating a burger and chips. And what looked like it was slow, like a blimp was coming, was going over us. But it was in the shape of like a triangle. Oh, and it was shit. like a light. There was, yeah, there was a light on each, on each sort of, on each, on each end of it. And it was going over a few hundred feet above us. It, it made no sound. That's why I say it was like a blimp. It was moving quite slow and there was no sound from it. And we were eating our burger and chips, looking up at this thing going, that's proper weird. That, <laughs> like, you know, what is that? Bless you. And it's a bless you. Thank you. And yeah. And so this thing passed over. We were like, oh, that, that was fucking weird. Carry on eating. 
And then a jet fighter screamed over. Like a, like, and you don't get jet fighters over London because of the sonic boom. They're not allowed to fly over dense areas. We, we, you know, we're not barbarians like that. We don't just have jets over the city. Yeah. But a jet, a jet went flying over. And uh, we were like, fucking hell, did we just see a UFO? We both wow. looked at each other. Both looked at each other, finished our food, went back to work. Didn't mention a thing to anybody because like, people are going to think you're nuts. You know what I mean? You're, you're going into work. Like, everyone in there is a grown, rugged warehouse man. You know what I mean? Lifting heavy boxes and stuff. No one's going to believe you just saw a UFO. So you just sit yeah. on that. You think, fuck. So I went home and I, yeah. It was only a few years later I mentioned it to someone because they were talking about how they thought they might have seen a UFO once. And they had a very similar story to mine. And I was like, fuck. I saw this over London. You know what? My boyfriend actually had the same exact experience. He was out on his porch having a cigarette in his, you know, late teens, early 20s. Same thing. Black triangle, completely silent, just slowly went over him and it blocked out all the stars and everything. So you you could see, you know, you couldn't see it, but you could see it because it blocked out. There was like a void. Same exact thing, which is bizarre. Wow. Yeah, nuts, man. It's trippy. It's trippy. Yeah. And what are these creatures? Are they moving through the dimensions? Uh-huh. Is it a flying saucer or is it something like a vehicle that can move through the different dimensions? Right. I mean, there's, there's so much out there. Not, not, the X-Files little gray man stuff. I mean, it's funny, you know, it's, it's cute and that, but I don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the look of them, it doesn't make sense. If you were that like advanced, wouldn't you at least wear some clothes? <laughs> why are they always naked? And why are they so small, but their, their spaceships are so big? I don't get it. You know, because we're quite big. And if you look at like a, a, I don't know, what's the best plane on the planet? An F-22, an American F-22 Raptor. When the pilot stands next to that, he's not that much bigger than the jet, really. Mm-hmm. The bit he sits in, it's about his size. The rest of it is engine. You know what I mean? But the bit he sits in is about his size. But these these little tiny grey bods have got these giant great saucers. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, great point. Yeah, but but what are these black triangles? Like, you know, your partner's seen one. I've seen one. I've spoke to some other people and other people around the world, and they all say the same thing. Black triangle, it made fuck all noise. If anything, like a, a bit of a hum, which I thought it was a blimp. Honestly, I thought it was like an air balloon. But yeah. it turns out it was probably not because air balloons don't get chased. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And if uh, you were to chase an air balloon, you could probably do it on foot. They're not very fast. No, you're not no. going to need. You're not going to need to scramble the raft. Um, oh shit! But yeah, um, so paranormal. Those are my two sort of stories from my life. Um, yeah. So you don't, don't object that to it? You no, I, I I can't say I believe in ghosts because I've not seen a ghost, but I heard some shit in my house uh-huh. rattling about. Don't know what it was. Must have been a ghost. Right. Or poltergeist. You, you know, know, something, some sort of. Yeah, there, there was some energy there that was fucking around with my knives and forks. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm going <laughs> to call this episode cutlery sounds. I'm going to call it cutlery. Cut- I like it. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be um okay so let's touch on something before we we end this uh i want to get your take on do you really think that russia is about to invade ukraine or do you think this is just a a ploy a distraction because they sure as hell keep talking about it a lot and i i don't i don't know i don't know i'm i have a hard time believing it like that current event on top of all the other current events i mean we can go on and on for hours about it but 
how do you feel about that? And is there anything in particular that pops out that you, you want to speak on? Right. I'm going to start off with um, some sort of more conspiracy-esque stuff, but it was said by quite an important figure in the conspiracy world. Werner von Braun, the Nazi scientist that was smuggled to the Americas and put a man on the moon, right? Now, he was very um, instrumental in setting up things like NASA. He worked a lot with the very fledgling early CIA and the people that we've spoke about so far who haven't made mentioned any names, but the people that sort of ran the show behind the scenes. And he said that in order to take control of this planet, first and foremost, you need us, meaning the Nazis. Then you need something completely the polar opposite of the big power. So you need the USSR, which was the polar opposite of America. And then once the USSR is out the way, you're going to have rogue nations, you're going to have terrorists, and you're going to have aliens. This is what Werner von Braun said. And he said, of course, none of this is real. But you will be told it's real. Yeah. The same people that are pulling Biden's strings are pulling Putin's strings. I'm not from, you know, I was born at night, but not last night. I don't believe that any of these people on the planet now, including my leader, any leaders, Trudeau, whoever, they're they're all from the same school. And they have Mm -hmm. to be because the people that run the show run the fucking show. You know what I mean? Whether you like it or not, the person, the people in charge of Iran, if that phone rings and it's these people, they answer the phone because they know these people can have them pulled out of a ditch Saddam style really quickly. Right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter. Personally, when it comes to Ukraine and, and Russia, historically the russians have always seen ukraine as a part of russia well we say ukraine eastern ukraine when it comes up to the sort of mountainous western region for hundreds of years that was a part of the austro-hungarian empire and and part of poland as well and and czech czechoslovakia which no longer exists bless it um so Ukraine has always been seen as a part of Russia. Now, there's a lot of fighting in the Donbass region in the east. There has been since Barack Obama dropped the ball and let the Russians annex two massive parts of a free nation and did nothing about it. Not saying Americans should go and die. I don't, I don't believe they should. But definitely a stronger signal should have been sent than what was sent. Um, do I believe that there's going to be an invasion? No. I, and this is why I believe that military spending on this planet right now coming back to Werner von Braun you need weapons in space because mm-hmm. aliens but not really because if Stacy fucks about at her house and we don't like her we can hit her with a direct energy weapon from space which we put up there telling Stacy she'd be safe from aliens yeah um you, do you know what I mean yeah um but I don't believe that there will be an invasion but I believe that military spending needs to stay higher for a purpose and that purpose is you know their, their big game now they need the common man and woman to vote for the government, which is going to keep spending high and spending can only be kept high. If there's a boogeyman now, yeah. America's just pulled out of Iraq. The Europeans have all left Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, it's all gone to shit. Now we're, we're, we're without a bad guy. Now we're at peace. If we're at peace, do we need to spend 10, 20, 30 trillion dollars a year on new planes and jets? Or can we just, Bring the lads home. Keep a defense force. There's no real enemy. We don't need to mobilize. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Can we just pull the lads home, get normal jobs, get to the farms and get back to what we're good at? 
no, because they don't want that. So what they're going to do is they're going to put Russia back on the map again. Of course, Russia then feeds into China, North Korea, Iran, this axis of evil that they keep talking about. They're all just, it's all the same thing, but they need the average consumer to be scared. Yeah. They've just sent a load of weapons, like your country, my country, loads of countries have spent a load of weapons to Ukraine. Most of those weapons are nearing their use by date. You know, yourself, if you build an anti-tank weapon, that rocket has got a use by date on the side of it. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're not using them anymore, we need to give them to some poor schmuck to get rid of. Now that poor schmuck is going to get signed into an arms agreement, whether they like it or not. And they're going to keep having to buy our stuff. Yeah. Because because what we're doing now is we're hyping up a bad guy. As far as I know, Russia and Belarus are having a massive training um, sort of, uh, you know, an exercise, a military exercise they're having. And, you know, they've called both their huge armies together to have this exercise. Now, all right, it looks a bit dodgy, but it's nothing unusual for Russians to do that. In the USSR, they used to have these huge drills in the Warsaw Pact and NATO would be sitting there going, fuck me, and they're about to do it. And they never did it. It was just a drill. But when they have a drill, they have a drill because they have conscripted armies. Their drills are massive. You know, the US and, and the UK, when they have a drill, like your Marines and our Marines just had a drill in the California desert. But we can do that because we've got smaller armies. We've got armies that we deploy when necessary. Mm-hmm. The Russians have got like a, a massive conscripted army. So they need when they hold an event, it needs to be big. <sighs> course the ukrainians are going to be shitting themselves because it's, it's a huge army on their border um but i think it's all about money to be honest and fear and keeping yeah. everything where it, we're keeping everything where it needs to be you know we keep having f-35s which is supposedly the best jet ever created you know you guys just lost one off an aircraft carrier it crashed we lost one off an aircraft carrier because there was a a $10 like rain cover still on it. It tried to take off and it had a rain cover on it and it couldn't take off and a $35 million jet or even more. I don't know how much they cost fell off the aircraft carrier into the Mediterranean. I didn't hear about that. Um, Holy shit. One of your, one of your, I think it was a B2 bomber. One of your stealth bombers, the big black triangles. One of those just ran off the runway the other week and like crashed on the grass. Like, so we need to keep spending high. We've we've created such machines that cost so much money that spending needs to be higher. Great Britain has just put two aircraft carriers out at sea. A bit late to the game, but we got there in the end. We've just put two aircraft carriers out there, but there's no bad guy to fight. Right. Yeah, I think that's you know, brilliant. I think you'd hit the nail ISIS, on the head. ISIS, ISIS is done. Afghan is done. Like, we're not prepared to go to war with China. And no matter how much bluster there is, that would just be horrific for everybody. There's no mm-hmm. point. Um, Russia, Russia's an easy target because we're all ingrained. Everyone's sort of over the age of, I don't know, 35 years old. You know, the people that actually get out and vote and consume mm. and a mortgage and a car and all this, that and the other, and, and have got kids. We're conditioned from a very early age to be afraid of the Russians. Yeah. It's a very easy boogeyman. Russia, Russia, Russia. Totally. Really yeah. easy boogeyman because some, we all, we all think bloody hell, the Russians, we're all going to die. We can't not many of us think oh hang a minute i've actually met some russians and they're nice mm-hmm. people yeah they're just like us right we seem to think they're this horrible nazi-esque boogeyman from a from from the sort of grass plains and they're going to come in and like destroy everything and i don't think it's the case but you mm-hmm. know the russians need a boogeyman because their military spend it's higher yeah. Vladimir Putin's not all that popular at the moment after covid you know ev- all these leaders need to stay popular they need to stay current 
This yep. is why you've got like Bolsano from Brazil's over there right now. You've got Orban from Hungary. He's over there right now. All these sort of like weird politicians that want to stay current when all their policies have failed and they're all a bit corrupt and they've all got massive houses where there's abject poverty in their country. <laughs> you know, they're all over there. And, and I'm not trying to dig at them either. For anyone that wants to have a pop, my prime minister is an absolute joke and needs to go. The American president... I, Honestly, I, I can't see a president. I don't see a statesman yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Your vice president, where the fuck is she? <laughs> like, where is she? Say what you want about Mike Pence. I was never his biggest fan, but he was on planes around the world all the time. He was meeting all the right people. He was where he was supposed to be. Yeah. Where is Harris? Where yeah. is Harris? Nobody There's knows. It's a massive crisis right now. Your border is literally leaking like a 50 year old woman on a roller coaster <laughs> like europe is about to explode your vp is nowhere to be seen she's uh, supposed to be everywhere she's supposed to be all over this while uh, the main man's in the white house doing what he does that's right. how that job's supposed to go yeah yeah like you've got this old fella he's trying his best he's falling apart it was funny at first to watch him falling downstairs and muffling his words now i just feel really sorry for him i think like he's whoever's pulling the strings it's not nice to watch an old man fucking dying live on TV. It's not right. nice. Yeah. Your no. VP should be all over this. Where is she? Who is she? Why is she? <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. And uh, where can we find you, Terry? Because I think all my listeners are going to want to follow you. You're a brilliant guy. I think you've got a lot to offer the world. And where can everybody find you? Ah, well, guys and girls, you can find me. Um obviously terry miles on facebook if you want to friend request me and get to know me a little bit better it's a bit creepy that though isn't it because you don't really know me but um if you want to follow the page program black i'm on facebook twitter instagram there's a program black reddit now as well i'm dipped my toes into the world of reddit um i like reddit actually it's really nice far less toxic than its competitors um uh, I've got a Discord. Discord's brilliant. If you haven't heard of Discord, it's sort of an old school sort of chat room thing where we've got our own um, subjects in rooms. And so you can have like a room for conspiracies where we just talk about conspiracies and no one shares a picture of a random dog because um, Facebook groups get a bit messy. If you've got yeah. a group, you know, you put up a post and then there's a, a thousand comments and none of them make sense. And it's hard to moderate. Yeah. I haven't got that kind of time. I've got a really professional job as well. So I'm trying to juggle everything. Um where else can you find me? Patreon. Patreon. Patreon's obviously, that's that's the lifeblood of my show. Um, come and join me on there. I'm actually putting together a book right now, um, a 30-day sort of survival guide. And the book is going to be based around some of the stuff that I've done in my life. And I've, I'm actually commissioned a really good artist right now. So I'm going to be doing some self-defense stuff in the book. So a bit of a spoiler alert here for the book but I'm going to have like drawings of human anatomy, say a carotid artery. So outline of human carotid artery in red. How would you attack that in a, with a knife to get, to put someone down out of the way so you can get the fuck out of there? Cause I'm talking about, I'm not just like, you know, four guys have attacked your car. The police ain't coming. You're not going to get out of the car and go want a box. You're just going to drop them as quickly as you can and get away. Yeah. So it's going to be full of, full of little tips like that. You're getting kicked on the ground. Where do you go? Back of the hill. Slice that bad boy open. Watch him fall to the floor like flipper and flap about on the floor. Um, yeah, loads of stuff like that. Some cool writings on the way. Um, yeah, the, 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 the fitness academy, which is known as the barracks now. That's there. I'm doing individual plans for any man, woman, a child, even a dog, if you want to get involved with it. 
Um, these are all individual plans. No two are the same. There's quite a detailed questionnaire you have to fill out and I make a plan um, just for you. Um, I'm a qualified it. personal, tra- I'm a qualified personal trainer now. Um, and I'm working on my, um, I've got some nutritionist qualifications, but I'm working on some really seriously accredited nutritionist qualification stuff as well. Got quite a lot going on. Wonderful. Um, but, yeah. but the, the program Black is going to be more than a podcast. Like I said, I want to reprogram you, take you back to Black, and we'll move forward from then. So I need to learn as much as I want to teach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will link all your social medias below, including your Patreon. And we'll be waiting for that book. And people will start uh, getting involved with the, the Fitness Academy. I think that's going to be huge, especially. And then the, the book, because everybody really needs that kind of knowledge. They need to be able to. Yeah. And in, in yeah. the book as well, there's going to be some of the fitness stuff. I'm only going to be putting 10 things from the fitness thing on there. But like I said, really detailed diagrams showing what muscles you're going to hit and why. How many people work on their biceps at the gym, for instance? Okay, that's brilliant. But when you stab someone, you're coming down. Where are your triceps? Yeah. You know, where, where, where are your delts? Where are your lats? You're coming down. So yeah. yeah, I'm looking at functional fitness, not, <laughs> yeah. not uh, looking pretty on the beach. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Terry. We're going to end recording and uh, thank you again. Stacey, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And I'll get you on my podcast again soon. We'll do a special. Inward Survival School of Magic this week, we're going to talk about negotiating. This is something I'm really, really uncomfortable with, and I really need to learn how to do this better because, I mean, I deserve to get things at a discount. I deserve to at least uh, work on my communication enough to learn how to negotiate properly. And I, I watch people do this, and I'm, like, fascinated by it. I'm always afraid I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings, but I think it's time for me to get the fuck over that. And I think that it's time for all of us to learn the art of negotiation. So I pulled this from a blog about um, people from India. The entrepreneurial abilities of Indians is is amazing. It Indian culture produces an uncommon blend, or so the writer says, of innovative thinking, business-minded aggression, and comfort with numbers. He says there's another ingredient. He talks about the film Two Million Minutes. That's a comparative documentary that examines education in the U.S., China, and India. The filmmaker, who was Bob Compton, wrote a book called Blogging Through India. And he said that it contained that a great little description of one of the greatest skills Indians bring to the table, which is negotiation. In India, every transaction is negotiated. Merchandise, cab, restaurant fare, restaurant bills, weddings, the list is endless, he says. Um, his guide, Vishnu, explained, quote, In India, we bargain to the, to the level of the individual vegetable purchase, which is awesome. And he's, you know, he remarks that it's awkward and uncomfortable for most Americans, and, but it's really valuable. So here are a few rules for bargaining when in India or in any part of the world. Rule number one, the true price of any item is what you pay. There are no suggested retail prices in India. Nothing is labeled, so it pays to talk with several vendors before making a significant purchase. Rule number two, try for 70% off. Don't accept less than 30% off. Rule number three, make them show lots of merchandise. You want people sweating profusely before you make your first offer. Make them invest in that transaction. Make them invest emotion, time, and energy. 
Rule number four, offer on one item at a time. Don't let, don't let on that you're gonna buy more than one thing. Just act like you intend to buy that one thing. Get the seller to give you prices on each item. Play one item off another to show you are looking for the lowest price point. Rule number five, wait for the pad of paper. Every Indian salesperson has a pad of paper and a pencil that they pull out when bargaining, when it gets more serious. Though they write down the price for an item, this is only a starting point. Remember rule number two, which is ask for 70% off. Rule number six, say too high a lot. <laughs> Don't even start negotiating until the salesman has scratched through the initial price and lowered it at least twice. I found that simply staring in silence at the pad of paper for a long time would result in the vendor cutting the price. Rule number seven, imply a bundled purchase. Now that you've got the price to be cut about 25 to 30% off, ask the salesman what deal he would give you if you bought two. Expect 5%. Ask for three items, get another 5%. And then you ask for a very expensive fourth item, one you which, which you do not intend to buy. This will excite the vendor and he will do a bunch of calculations which you will be unable to follow. The price will come down for the expensive item as well as for the other items you intend to buy. Lock those prices and drop the expensive item. At this point, you should have been able to shave off close to 50% off the initial price. Most Americans generally are satisfied at this point and close the deal. One final point, no matter what price you pay, if the sales guy is smiling when you leave, guess who won? I think that this is priceless information right here. Now get out there and negotiate. Don't, don't not negotiate any purchase and I will do the same. Our stoic thought of the week goes to the great Wim Hof. He said, we can do more than what we think. It's a belief system that I have adopted and it has become my motto. There is more than meets the eye and unless you are willing to experience new things, you'll never realize your full potential. Fear does not go away by itself. You have to confront your fear, mold it, then learn to control it in its own irrational reality. Every human being has the power to do just that. To go deep within and confront your inner being is a powerful act. Going deep and developing the willpower is the only way. And I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid not to have lived. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining me.